All right, it's the Chance of Gaming podcast, uh, episode 96. I'm Adam, and with me is Roy and Shannon. I am a legend in my own mind, and I'm Roy. I love how we just, yeah, yeah, yeah we, we yeah. wait and wait, and we jump, talk all over each other. Yeah. <laughs> Roy is a legend in my mind. And I, I'm, I'm just astonished at that. I, I, yeah, okay. I will accept your praise. Very good. All right. Um, just some quick uh, bookkeeping with uh, my convention, Siege of Vicksburg. I you know I've talked about the struggle I've had with the um, casino and getting people to call me back and whatever. Well, I finally got a hold of somebody today, and they told me that the casino is moving to a 21 and older on property rule. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, ask if have, have you guys ever like, I mean, attended a convention like that? I, you know, I ultimately I believe it's a bad idea. I believe it. You know, there's a whole lot of you know eighteen to twenty eighteen to twenty tabletop gamers, and man, I would if I'd lost, you know, a good percentage of those, I'd be doing bad. So that's what I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's your uh, sounds like a what bad do you do? Uh, deal for you? So my solution is what I'm thinking about. I I I just am. I'm I'm going to move it from Vicksburg, Mississippi, to the Jackson, Mississippi area, which outside because I I was already in talking about it on the Facebook group already. Somebody was like, "Well, don't they have water problems? I don't know if I could." You know, I could talk my wife into going with me if they, you know, there because of the water problems. And I was like, uh, no, I'm talking about outside. Probably in Flowood is what I'm looking at now. So, which it will literally be like four miles from my house. So, I don't know. So, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, that's, that's that's what I'm thinking right now. And, uh, we'll see. I guess next time we record... Hopefully, um, not only will I have all this worked out, I'll actually be selling tickets because that would be pretty cool. So, anyway, so there you go. Okay. So, what have you guys been playing? What have I been playing? Or, so, or, my or, wife or has watching. a. Uh, you can watch what? stuff. Too. You you can watch stuff too. Um, you know. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, what? Ah, dude, I, I, it's always a struggle trying to figure out like the audio levels on this because the, it's the different kind of inputs put in. Anyway, sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it's, when we're talking about uh, what we're watching. Yeah. I've started watching, um, trying to get back into uh, Strange New World, Star Trek. Um, it's uh, it's it's good stuff. Um. I, I don't know if I think I call myself a casual Trek fan. Like I grew up on the old show, uh, and I remember in college um, every Sunday night watching the new uh, Next Generation. Um, but I, you know, I, Deep Space Nine was not for me, and I thought maybe Voyager would be kind of fun to follow, and I just never did that. Um, but uh, the production values on Strange New Worlds is great, and. Um, I'm about four episodes into it now. Um, we're meeting the Gorn. So this is a prequel uh, series with Captain Pike and Spock and Nurse Chapel. Um, and who else am I missing? Oh, Uhura. Number one. Yeah. It's, oh, okay. She is uh, comes out comes across in the um, uh, was it the Kate? What's the the episode from the old show? Is it called the cage? The, the menagerie. Okay. Yeah, I did not realize that she was the character in, um, in the menagerie. But I, yeah, you're you're right there. I, I had missed that part. Um, but it's um, the, there was one episode where they were messing around with a black hole, and it was, to me, it looked like it was straight out of the Interstellar playbook has the same sort of uh, special effects of how, how a black hole would actually look. So, yep, Strange New Worlds on Paramount+. Plus. You know, I feel like it's it's almost kind of wrong to compare, like, you know, um, 
a modern retelling of an old ass show. Like, uh, mm-hmm. if you've ever like looked at just even the Star Trek the original series and then the Next Generation, it's like light years, you know, uh, different. So I mean, yeah. w- way stuff, you know, more now. But yeah, I don't know. It's but then again, um, it's weird. It's like I grew up. I can watch stuff I grew up play even though it's old and you know bad effects and whatever but um like my kids or whatever i can't get them into anything like that where they're like uh you know oh they're like that looks old you know and the graphics and stuff are not uh very good and i'm like well but they've done some re-edits on the special effects in the old show episodes uh somewhere that's been on paramount plus Yep, that's very true. Because uh, they released those in theaters, and I went and watched them. Oh, wow. okay. They did one episode per season of Star Trek: The Next Generation that they released to the movie theater, and I tried to go catch them all. But yeah, they oh, okay. it's it's basically just kind of they redid the effects. It's HD remastering and different stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Episode from the old show, the original series. Yeah, and the original you can pick series. One out. Back in the 90s, uh, they did a lot of special effects remastering. Um, there's only uh-huh. so much you can do with the sets. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, um, but they, 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 did a, they did the thing with the original series. And some of the old fans were all, no, you can't do that. It's supposed to look silly. Um, oh, well, but, I don't know. You know, there's, just, there's no accounting for taste. <laughs> My own younger children actually enjoy the original series pretty well. Oh, all right. There's the episode where they find a clone of Earth, and it's all populated by kids. I remember that episode with Miri and uh, the, um, oh, yeah. the kids that were just hooligans. You know, they were feral <laughs> yeah. children. And as right. they, they 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 crossed adolescence and they got the phage and they were uh, they would you know go crazy and everything. Yep. I thought that was a good one. And the uh, episode where they went back in time. Man, there's a lot of time travel in Star Trek, isn't there? There um, is. Where they uh, they took out the the fighter pilot. Yep. That was a good episode too. That is a very good episode. Um back in the days when there was a BBS called Trek Web and the J.J. Abrams movie was uh, just cresting the horizon and had not arrived yet. People were very upset because they were going to screw up how time travel and Star Trek works. And I wrote a couple of kind of long posts pointing out to them that time travel in Star Trek does not work the way they think it does because it works in so many different ways. It depends on what needs to happen by plutonium kind of yeah yeah um, so anyway yeah I've, uh, I've been watching uh strange new world on paramount plus i'm a big fan of all the current trek being produced uh at least that's on paramount plus um i don't know about uh, any movies or anything but yeah absolutely like <laughs> that so have any of you guys played the game the last of us no, although it looks intriguing, I have, but I, I'm, I just, just never have. No, but it's got, uh, it's got the Mandalorian in it. Yep, Pedro Pascal himself. Oh, oh, we have been watching the Mandalorian. My younger children also like that very well. <clears throat> oh, all right. Yeah, it's. Uh, are do... you uh, through season one? We are um, into the final episode of season one. Oh, okay. Uh, things are looking bleak. Uh-huh. I've said it, I've said it before that you know that's it's been the best thing that has ever had the word Star Wars on it. You know, and I mean that's just coming from me is I'm not that big of a Star Wars fan, but um, mm-hmm. I prefer Star Trek. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's <clears throat> it's it's the best, the best, the best thing with Star Wars they've done. It's so good. Well, what are your thoughts on Andor? Because I know a lot of people are kind of dig Andor just because of it. Really, kind of digs into the meat of of what it's like to live in you know in a uh, 
a, a, an empire, you know, a, a, a star-spanning fascist empire. You know, you have these middle-level bureaucrats who are, you know, trying to, they're competing for, for power and, you know, trying to root out the rebellion. Now, talked about that. Uh, well, see, I like it because I'm a big fan of um, the 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 Cassian Andor movie. What's it called? Um, oh, Rogue, Rogue One. One. Yeah, yep. huge fan of that. So, okay. So yeah, it's really good. Uh, but all I mean, all that to say, with the the Last of Us, it's on HBO, and I'm really enjoying it so far. I can highly recommend uh, the first game. So, okay. Yeah, I hear it's great. I just I've never gotten into it. Yeah, uh, The Last of Us is a Sony exclusive. Um, it came out on PS4. Now there's a remastered version for PS4 and PS5, but um, it's great. Okay, cool. Uh, we have been watching The Mandalorian, and uh, we, my wife and I watched She-Hulk a few weeks ago, and uh, and those have both been. Uh, very satisfying uh, television experiences. Cool. What have you guys been playing? Well, I've been I've been playing. I know how to write role playing games again, um, and finally, <laughs> finally wrapped up a project I've been noodling on since 2020 uh, called Mages and Mooks, and uh, I'm I'm pleased to see the backside of that. Um, and I think it does all the things that I want it to do. What about you, Roy? Oh, oh what have I been doing? So I've been playing uh, more Isle of Cats on uh, Board Game Arena. And uh, I'm in the midst of, well, the, the, the start of a Race for the Galaxy game. Uh, that's a card game. With, you, it's kind of you each round you choose a role. And, like, you can um, uh, go explore. Floor, which means you're drawing cards that will like you're going to develop a development or settle a planet um, and so I I agreed to this game but the first like it's been a week of just card drafting so the settings that the that the uh, game host has chosen you, you draft your deck of cards to start with so that's been a little tedious we haven't we're still in game setup um, so I don't know but uh, my wife has a goal to play a new game, or not a new game, an old new game every day uh, from our collection of stuff that we haven't played in a while. So we've been digging out some old games that we've uh, maybe have set by the wayside. Um, so I, on my table right now, I have a game called Fips Setup, which is kind of like Tetris. It's like four-player Tetris. Um, so, uh, I, I imagine that eventually, um, what else am I playing? Um, I played a game called Whistle Mountain, which I was expecting to be a track laying game, but it's a game of, uh, building machines in, uh, a valley. And as you build machines, it produces, um, heat and it melts the mountain so the, the valley starts to flood so you build scaffolding that you're going to build a, mount, a machine on but you have to build it high enough that when it starts to flood that you get some use out of it before it gets totally flooded out um, so this is a it's a, a Bezier game and that's uh, the same company that does Werewolf um, which I mean I guess I consider Werewolf to be pretty Floppy being a social deduction game, and this Whistle Mountain is it's pretty crunchy. Um, so, you know, and if you have, uh, if you don't get your, your people out, well, then they get drowned in the whirlpool and you have to go rescue them. Um, and you're flying your Zeppelin around. There's a Zeppelin, and um, that's your, <laughs> your, yeah. Oh, there we go. So it, it took a game called Whistle Stop, which was a track lane game. And kind of like really expanded it to zeppelins and and flooding valleys and and you know less than ecologically minded machines. That's uh, Whistle Mountain. Is this a 
board game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, look, yep. it sounds very original and very uh, crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I think my first guess when you were talking about it was going to be like it was some kind of environmental preachy thing because, you know, mm-hmm. your, your pollution was causing it to flood. But th- then you were like, nah, we don't care about that. We'll just build scaffolding. Yeah. <laughs> um. And uh, been playing some D and D. That'll come up on Wednesday this coming week. Um, the DM uh, Brian uh, has uh, kind of branching out on his own. So we're 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 looking for kidnapped gods. So we were in a dungeon that we couldn't find any other way out of except through the inky black portal. And well, I guess we're going through the inky black portal. So now we've stepped out into a forest and we're being attacked by bugbears. Bugbears? Bugbears. There you yep. go. Okay. You know, I feel like the bugbear does not get a lot of respect in D&D. It, it, for whatever reason, the owlbear has rose to prominence. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't know why that is. It's like, ah, the, the beholder's got too many eyes. We don't want to do that. They, well, you, I remember the, the, the uh, D&D basic artwork and the 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 artwork of the bugbear was kind of a you know like a, a a samurai. He wore like samurai armor, the lacquered armor. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it's, I it was kind of a cool concept. Of, and I guess this, you know, there's some of the Japanese artwork kind of has kind of a a, a, a bugbear goblin sort of looking uh, creature in some of their some of the Japanese artwork. So I, I presume it's inspired by that. I uh, I wrote a I wrote a bugbear uh, system agnostic supplement about a year ago. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Called the B team. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought everybody thinks bugbears are dangerous and terrible and evil, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make them uh, dangerous and terrible and and helpful. And cuddly. <laughs> oh. And so. They are uh, an XP of the A team, of course. I mean, gotcha. right. and one of them is a goat. Maybe the cuddly <laughs> thing you're you're onto something. Maybe it was like, look, the, you know, the, the kids don't want to hug a beholder. So what can we do? Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, let's go with the the owl bear. You know, he's fluffy. Mm-hmm. He looks soft and inviting, and yeah. Well, then there's another creature called the tug bear, and you know. The less said about him, the better, I suppose. I've also been participating in the uh, Dungeon 23 uh, thing, where the challenge is to write one dungeon room a day. So you end up with, is it 23 days? Or? No, it's uh, 2023, so it's 365 oh. rooms. Oh, so all mega dungeon all the time. Yeah, the, uh, the fellow who uh, inspired this whole thing had a old... Um, very nice, but old uh, calendar. One of those little uh, pocket calendars that's got a blank page on one side and the whole week on the other side. And so he was going to use that to uh, draw a level on the drawing side and populate the rooms on the other side. And he announced this as a, just an idea. Here's a thing I'm going to do. And uh, RPG Design Twitter latched onto it like i don't even know what it was amazing and it was in uh, mid-december and people started out like december 20th started working on this thing for 2023 and some people have gone whole hog with it and are doing rooms and products and sketched out uh templates for themselves so that they can stay on task Um, and other people i'm just gonna do a room a day using the random tables from the first edition rule books and I said, oh, well, I'm going to pull out my Gangbusters 1920s role-playing adventuring game, and I'm going to do a town. And so I've been doing a town. Uh, but in order to keep it interesting for myself, I'm laying in fantasy elements. And so I've got speakeasies run by leprechauns and uh, all, all of that at this point. I, yeah, I've seen a lot of people post about it, about like, oh, yeah, I did my thing today, and blah, 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 blah. Ah, yeah. 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 When I post, I post on uh, co-host because I've got a, a nice, calm audience over there. 
yeah, I, I can't even imagine just being able to just be like, you know what, I'm just going to fight a cool dungeon RPG thing today. And it just happened. It's just one room. It's yeah. pretty low key. Do it while you're smoking. <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you, you walk in, there is a small table and a flower vase on it. The yep. end. <laughs> That's 100%. People who, people who are doing this with the, with the tables from the uh, first edition are all, you know, only about 30% of the rooms have anything in them. This is not that hard. Don't, don't make this difficult on yourself. This is just an exercise. This is just supposed to be a little bit of mind-clearing fun. Uh, and yeah, you were doing one more thing, right, Roy? You said uh, zombie side. Oh, or was it zombie side? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a sorry, that was a while ago. Oh, never. Um, okay. Yeah, that's fine. I was. Uh, um, yeah, I have a friend that has uh, zombie side and. The scenarios I recall, we were supposed to go into four buildings up and down the street and get the MacGuffins out of there, and we were doing great, and then one by one, we just got overwhelmed, and uh, zombies win the day there. That's how it goes with zombies, right? Yeah, you betcha. Winds of unrelenting doom. Well, I, I guess think we're uh, going to be talking about one of those eventually, yes, here, aren't we? Yes, we will get there, because <laughs> uh, I played, uh, played that, and... Um... Uh, the only other thing I played was I ran a one shot of Skate Wizards, Ooh. and Dad Gummit, if I didn't think to uh, link that in the show notes so you could actually like look at it, it came. Uh, I'm a big fan of, um, well, <clears throat> the idea, the concept of uh, like an RPG thing that includes a musical component. Like I've gotten several LPs that also it, it was like, and I really should do like a an episode or a YouTube video or something on it because I have several. It's basically they do the composer will do. Uh, I don't. I guess they write an adventure first and then compose an album for it, and it's sold together as one thing. But anyway, mm-hmm. I bought one of those. Which one did you get? I'm looking at my my wall here. Uh, something about spiders. I'm trying to think. Well, well uh, which 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 Probably band was it? Oh lord, <laughs> I don't know. Some indie guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, because yeah. like um, I I like Dungeon Synth and HDK, which is it's this huge German word. Um, is really <laughs> cool with that, and they did they've done several like that. And so I actually had some of that come in. But all that to, uh, came in last week, and I should do a thing on it. But all that to say, there is Skate Wizards. And I just assume maybe somebody smoked pot and came up with this thing. Because it was just, like, really fun for us to do. It's like, you as a Skate Wizard, you have, like, three basic spells that you can always cast and um one of them is like a ramp you you a ramp appear you're at the top of a ramp you appear at the top of you generate a ramp you're at the top of it on your skateboard another one is you generate a uh, a rail you know so they could do a rail slide on it in fact um there we had to free a halfling that got eaten by a snake and one of my um one of my players uh, cast the rail over the snake and it, it split him in half, like cut him open. And so, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's it's weird. It's just weird stuff like that. And the other thing is, is like you roll up a random spell like every day and it actually gives you this huge chart that you roll on and you come up with four weird words and then you have to tell me what that spell does. It will be like r- random words that you put together and uh, things. I don't know. Maybe we'll. Yeah, that's a great mechanic. I, I've uh, I've never had a chance to use one like that, but every time I hear about it, I think, yes, that sounds fantastic. I did not do that in my game. Help magic users. May, yeah, maybe we'll talk about skate wizards in the future. We'll see how it goes. But okay. And the other thing was uh, I. Two weeks, uh, a week before that, I DM'd a game of Liminal, and we're going to review that in just a second. So, um, you have anything else, Shannon? Talk about Mike. Yeah, Mike at Alter Dementia. Alter Dementia. Yeah. 
Yeah. The um, if you've got something you need 3D printed, like a liminal space, Mike can help you out. Alter Dementia, and uh, it's spelled weird, so be linked in the show notes. You can use your discount code of COG2019 to save 20% off your 3D printing order. So, there you go. So, um, I think what, I think it's actually, what is it? Uh, is, is liminal, is it liminal space? Because it's got that weird thing on, on the thing. I, I think, think liminal space yeah. is actually a different game, isn't it? Oh, I think oh. it is liminal space. And this this call this says navigating the liminal space, but when you look at the copyright page, it's just got that weird underscore at the end. That's the space. Um, I thought uh, okay. All right, so I actually found the uh, the Kickstarter that I got it from. So there you go. <clears throat> it is a game by Alexi Vela, and it's essentially like uh, I've kind of gotten interested in liminal space in the past year or so. I found a really cool um, uh, YouTube series called The Back Rooms. You guys familiar with that? No. It's basically, yeah, you'll be watching a episodic, weird, found footage thing, which is basically um, liminal. It's, yeah, people get somehow fallen into it, and they try to escape, weird things happen. But anyway, I'll link it in the show notes, and uh, it's really good. So, so uh, it's essentially it's to me from uh, all five or six years I worked in a mall. Uh, li- that's what liminal space reminds me of. It looks mm-hmm. like you know the storage area of a J.C. Penney, or just any kind <laughs> of like uh, empty abandoned mall. You know where it's all it is is just. You know, that weird color carpet and white walls and ceiling. And it always has the um, the creepy-ass, uh, the flickering um, fluorescent light. And the buzz. Yes, the the buzz of um, whatever they're called. That in, the in ballast? The ballast, yes. So, yeah, it's, it's just so, so cool. And the series was so neat. So... I backed this thing and got it in, and uh, my players loved it. Absolutely, well, they should. Yeah, because I'm like this. This whole thing is just so random. You know, that's the thing is you are constantly like um, running, uh, uh, rolling that D, roll that D100. You know, and right. just mm-hmm. which room did you end up in? Did you guys look at the like the charts and stuff? Did, what did there's, any... there's really there's all kinds of stuff to like just flip through and and read entries. I did, I did not not, not the whole thing, I'll admit, but I did do uh, a run through, a solo run through. Well, and, wow. Did you? Uh, I, I'll tell you, like guys, right now, if you have it handy, like look up uh, room sixty nine. I love like I the the little things they throw yeah. in with that. I wound up in room sixty nine. Isn't that the one? Through. The one that's like an adult. Nice. It, it in, in like an adult uh, <laughs> video store or something. Where, oh, where shit's at. Large adult only room of a VHS rental place. Doors are covered in black curtains with eighteen plus and red printed, eighteen plus in red printed on them, and shelves upon shelves of adult movies on VHS line the walls. I've I've been in more than one of those. And in the middle wild. is a tall booth. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. What was wild was that I did not notice the connection. Oh. Oh, for, <laughs> for, for, for it being 69? Six yeah. Room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, there, yeah, we ended up. And I liked how it just kind of gives you a brief prompt of like, okay, this is what the room is. Like, it. I remember it was. You appear to be in an abandoned uh, grocery store. You notice that all the labels and stuff are from the labels and products are from the 1980s, and so you just kind of go from there with what you want to do. Well, I I was just gonna say, uh, you know, it is not a combat game. This is not a dungeon crawler. You don't actually roll up a character. 
you simply what was it you roll for the two things to test and then um you're starting dadgummit what was it called it was not stress you take fatigue. a fatigue. fatigue yes the yep. fatigue and and so you know you start out it's so simple to just kind of roll up your guy but what you're supposed to do is flee or somehow creatively get away from you know whatever mm -hmm. entity shows up so i was looking at the inspirations for this game which are in the the, the appendix in the back at page 106 yeah um and so there's some i do not see portal on here the video game hmm. this really felt to me like portal especially portal 2 oh yeah good which, point um, it's kind of fits the same sort of genre and then the tv show on on apple tv severance kind of has the same sort of feel yeah uh again it's it's that retro look you know yeah. uh, of uh, I, I love severance that's so good anyway <laughs> uh were there any um entities that you guys remember the bone shaker which was like a it was a um uh an undead engine that would like uh, creep across the room at you, and if it got a hold of you, it would shake you to pieces. And every round, you had to roll a fatigue test. And if you rolled uh, an odd number on a D8, then you escaped. But if you rolled a, a even number, then it would keep shaking you. You take a D8 of fatigue, and eventually, if you didn't get away from it, it would just shake you to pieces. Wow. <laughs> Which okay. If I remember correctly, like how what happens to you when you quote unquote die? You know, it's not you don't really die. You what do you succumb to fatigue? Absorbed. And yeah, you get absorbed uh, in the by the whole thing. I was trying to think, do they have a way to like spit you back out? But no, nah, I don't think so. I think once you're once you're out, you're out. So did you guys actually es escape if you tried playing it? No, I did a speed run, and so I never stopped to try to decrease fatigue. Uh, so I, I wound up uh, going through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine rooms with a fatigue of 101 at the end. Now, what I liked is it's a mapping game. So, like, I yeah. kept my own map behind the screen of uh, where the players were. And then it was up to them to map it out themselves. So mm -hmm. I mean, they would be they'd be like, "Hey, where you know, where do I go from here?" And I'm like, "Well, what room are you in?" And so I would then look and say, "I'm like, well, this is what you see in the room, you know," I, because so, they're like, "How do I get back to this?" And I'm like, "I can't tell you. You got to remember that." So had you pre-generated? The no, rooms? what okay. I what I did, and I would not. Okay, Shannon, buckle up here. I would not All be right. surprised if I did this incorrectly. But um, <laughs> what I did every time they went into a room, uh, every time they went through a door, I rolled a room. So that's what I did. Yeah, that's what I did on the speed run too. Yeah, um, and I I found myself. Uh, when I read the book, I thought, wow, this is amazing. This is this is going to be great. And when I played the game, I thought, wow, I really want to play this with somebody else running the rules and with like three or four other players in the space. Because I found myself a little unclear as to how to proceed on some of the mapping um, fit. Like I'd roll up a room and I couldn't even... I couldn't quite make out how any other room was going to fit. I, you know, I'd roll a room, I'd roll some doors, I'd put the doors in place, and I'd look at where the doors went, and I thought, wow, there's no space. You know, there's, there is a gap between this room and the next nearest room, but there's no space to wedge another room through the door I'm looking at. So I'm going to choose a door with a space because I can see the map, and I'm doing this for myself. Well, uh... And so I think this is going to be a fantastically fun game to play with somebody who's better at Tetris than I am. Well, like what I did, we noticed that like um, in the 
when we played is when I started like describing like, well, this is a three by two room. It, it forms an L or, or whatever. And what we ended up doing, and again, this may be probably is wrong. Uh, we just said like, you know, you're going into, you know, a different space. So it, it's not going to make sense that this building all fits, you know. Oh, that's smart. That, that's just the way I did it. And I don't know if that's I, what you were supposed to do. That's, no, that's great. As we're flipping through this book, some of the pages have maps on them. And what I see are uh, all the spaces taken up. And maybe maybe that's just because these are idealized maps that the designer, the graphic designer, pulled together from the concept rather than maps that actually got generated through play or something. Um, and, and, and my confusion with the rules is just at the rules. It is not in any sense a, a feeling that the rules are failing me. Um, it's just the sense that uh, this is a, a game to me that's new and I just don't quite have a handle on it. Um, there was that paragraph on page four about the player then adds the room into the paper mapping, uh, making sure doors and room placements make sense. Players can rotate the rooms to fit the current map if players wish. They can also assign a designated photographer. Um, all of which sort of implies that it's possible, but you know there are two D100 tables just on the rooms, and that's one of the ways I got around the um, the how am I going to fit a room in here problem was oh I've got a number here what's the room on the other table, <laughs> and I plotted that room. In. Hmm. Um, also in the back uh, there are the guest uh, author tables. I mean, yeah. eh, they get a little edge lordy to me, but you know. Okay. So that's actually that's uh, that's that was what I was referring to there with the other room tables, um, and then that was actually the last room that I played, and it went it went badly. <laughs> uh, what was in here? Uh, some of the faces look familiar. Group of which meet each. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the guest people? Yeah, it's uh, number 37 in the guest room. And then each player uh, flip a form. Grant Howitt is the guy that did um, Everyone what? is John. I'm sorry, which one? Uh, Grant Howitt. Did which one? I, he did a bunch of them there. I'm not oh, sure where. Okay. All right. You this said one. Everyone is John? Yeah. Okay. And John it's a, kind of a, a, a game about a... a Schizophrenic. Ah, I yeah, think I remember you know, talking about that before. He's prolific. Ah. Okay. But I mean, all, all in all, this this game, I would definitely. It's great for a one shot, and that's what happened with me. It's like we were in between starting, you know, some new stuff. So I was like, I got it. I got a perfect thing to do. And uh, yeah. yeah. And tomorrow yeah. we're gonna start Mouse Ritter. <laughs> No, this just seems to be. I'm looking through my notes here, and I've got all kinds of notes that are on. And then this ends the game. How does this work? Does this end the game? Yeah. Okay. And I will say, I did at the uh, the author on Twitter, and the way I read his responses, it seemed a little snarky to me. Maybe I'm overreading it too. But he was like, "All these answers are in the rule book," and I was like, "Well, I'm sure that's true, but I couldn't find them." So, could you please answer my rule questions? Maybe they're under the rest break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, was, I mean, I'm sure oh. they're there. You know. Oh yeah, and his response, he included page numbers. Like, oof. Okay, sorry, man. Uh, it was not a um, personal attack on your you and your writing, but you know. Anyway. Yeah, I uh, I I do have a didn't work for me comment. Uh, and that is to do with the, the depth of the graphic design of the booklet. Ooh, they used a lot of black. There's a lot of a lot of black in here, um, and and it's and it's mood, and it's you know it's game appropriate. It's all you know, I understand it. Um, it's not quite as difficult to navigate as Morphorg, um, but I. Uh, as a 
there's a guy who wants to play a game. It's a little gimmicky. I mean, yeah, it, it, it fits the theme, but I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, I don't think you're going to make like a, you know, you're not going to do a campaign with this or anything. You know, you'll just, yeah. This will uh, be, and it's, and, you know, as I often say, there's no accounting. It takes, this is just a taste question, not a, not a real criticism. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's good for a one shot. Like I said, you got about two, three hours to kill. There you go. You ought to be able to do it. And boom. So. Yeah, no, I got, I mean, I would really, really enjoy this game if somebody else. I want to say we, I think we had six or seven people playing it, you know, and the party accidentally got split, and then that really got interesting with the mapping, so. Oh, wow. And I think next time, if the party, anybody that separates off should have to have their own map, you know, you can no longer look at the map. I don't know, because you're not there. Maybe. Yeah, the the access to the map as a practical question is what I was um, curious about how it would work out in play. Uh, on the one hand, you want everybody confused. On the other hand, the map is right there. Um, you know, or you perhaps don't remember, but you know that the rooms are going to be awful, and every time you choose to go into another room, it's going to hurt. Oh, yeah, that was like one of my... I played that wrong, and one of the things the guy corrected me on was every single time you go through a door, you take that fatigue, you know, yeah. or you go through the room, you, you, you do it, and so... Yeah, yeah I, I had to read that rule a couple of times before I realized that this is a game that is designed to hurt. Hmm. <laughs> um, and, then, and then I was glad to see... That there are ways to to decrease your fatigue, um, and that that's the sort of resource management element in play. And d uh, six plus six is a lot, um, but it sort of balances against the one d eight. D six plus six gives you a two to twelve range, uh, It sort of floats around at eight. I guess. Um, oh no, it's the kind of thing. There's no real delta there. Um, but a D8 decreased fatigue uh, for a game that's designed to hurt is pretty good against a D6 plus 6 damage deck. So the game can go on much longer than I allowed it to when I had to play speedrun. See, I always thought like I feel like it would kind of be over fast because I don't know. It's you you count down pretty hard and I don't know, but I wasn't well, playing. You actually played it, so yeah. I mean, I I mean, you saw the rule in action. Um, I sort of seeing that. I tell you one thing I did do is I could not find where you roll a safe room unless it actually popped up. So you know, it, in the name of having fun, when they got to I a was... point where they really needed it, I was like, okay, here you go. Yeah, and, and there's and there is an architect reward rule for the for the rep uh, to throw out uh, a D8 fatigue reduction at you. Um, and I had a question about safe rooms and escape rooms. Like, I I only honestly only skimmed the rooms, but how? I, but I didn't see in the in the rules part at the beginning of the book like where escape rooms come from. Okay, you, I, there yeah. when you roll a one hundred, am I right? Yeah. Is it? Are you right? I don't know. Um, I noticed that there was that there were a hundred and one. Or yeah, it, yeah, it's it uh -huh. should be yeah, it should be in the normal ones. I think it's a hundred because that's what my players did how they got out. Okay. And well, honestly, it is interesting. Like you roll it up, and oh yeah, yep, they still have to search, you know, to possibly find it to roll high enough to be able to get out. So. Right, and doing stuff. There's a fatigue cost in all that, too. Where did I see 101? It may be in the back, the um, the guest thing. Guest, so. room goes to a, guest room goes to 100. That's I don't very, know. very weird. Was it, was it entities? 101 entities. Yeah. And right after I read this, I, I was uh, looking at Twitter, and once again, the how do you read uh, percentile dice 
discourse that was rattling around and I was like, oh, I wish there was a good answer for that, but I'm just looking at a D101 table. Anyway, wow. so, okay, thanks for, thanks for pointing out where the escape room is. <laughs> um, I, one of the early rooms I rolled up was the water tower room and you can see out of it through rusty holes and I thought, is that an escape room? Is my flashlight bang that hole big enough to get out of there? Maybe. It's not against the rules. Well, I, I guess we, we've probably talked it to death at this point. Maybe people like it, maybe not. But again, distraught. I yeah. Uh, it's cheap to get. I think uh, the PDF is 10 bucks or 8 bucks, something like that. Yeah, that's a good price. But anyway, all right. So uh, the only other thing, like I said, I'm trying to be more focused and less scattered. And uh, although we still talk a bunch, I like that, what we're doing, what we did. But uh, the only other thing was uh, the big news item. I wanted to talk about the open gaming license, Wizards of the Coast, and uh, yeah. Have you guys been following <laughs> this? Oh, yeah. In fact, I've got three blog posts on my site. Well, yeah, that more or less. Unravel that in my head. Well, we'll put, yeah, put them in the show notes, and we'll link it for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, for those of you who don't know, um, it's... The open gaming license, and again, jump in and correct me here. Or especially, yeah, if you're listening to this on Anchor, you can do that. But um, it was, what, 3.5 was the uh, the OGL, the original open gaming license, yeah. which allowed people to legally create content for Dungeons & Dragons, or and or was it just being able to use the way it's played uh the rules and stuff um well the the intent was to um, make it easy for third-party uh creators to have a license to use the um most of the stuff they held back things like beholder and divine flyers uh to prevent uh who even knows what that was to prevent um but but the goal was to make it easy for third-party creators to have a license that made it clear that it was okay for third-party creators to make things that were compatible with Dungeons & Dragons as long as they didn't do things that implied that these were official or that these were um, endorsed by Wizards of the Coast. All right, and so that's where yeah. Pathfinder was born from that. Right. And they also did this because this only did this cover like different editions because I you know I just know Pathfinder was born out of three point five and the OGL, but but and I kind of thought of it like well maybe you know uh, I was it Wizards then I don't think it was just didn't care about ah it's just these old rules we're gonna do the new fourth edition all the kids love it yeah that's the impression that I've gotten. That um, that although the OGL doesn't um, explicitly cover earlier editions, uh, that's where the OSR launches from. That's where the retro farms all launch from. Is is using the OGL to to reach backwards. Um, and I think the argument there is yeah, it's all basically the same game. It's just a different E number on the cover. And so. Um, they were they were sort of digging back and being cautious, and over time, they they uh, creators got to a point where, as long as you didn't say Dungeons and Dragons, and as long as you didn't say Beholders, you pretty much had free reign over um, recreating and and modifying the earlier editions I, into your own products. Now, I've noticed ever since I've been doing like RPG Kickstarters or whatever the past three two, three, four years, whatever, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, it's Roy's, um, uh, Roy's role-playing plot extravaganza, whatever, and it'll say made for fifth edition at the top. And I know personally when I would see that, you know, or if you, like, when you're you back to Kickstarter, they're like, well, you can get it in um, OSR, or or and or uh, fifth edition, and I was like, I don't give a shit about fifth edition, but 
uh, I have seen way, you know, just uh, just a ton of uh, companies making uh, these third-party things for it. And so now um, they're kind of backpedaling on the OGL, right? They don't want people or want to be able to license it. Uh, yep, yeah, sorry, Ray. Well, I was just fine. I was just, I haven't talked much here lately, so it's all good. Um, wasn't one of their assertions was that they didn't want people using their uh, their license for kind of objectionable content? Like if we think, if we hearken back to that, that dude um, that turned out to be a misogynist creep, well, yeah. <laughs> Which one? I guess. Take your pick, boy. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's one of their assertions is why they wanted to kind of clamp down on it because they wanted to uh, have a little bit more control over, um, you know, I somebody saying, well, I want to make a, I want to make a Holocaust RPG and I want to use the the open game license to do it. So I mean, in a way, I can kind of see that, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, um, I don't know enough about it to like have like yeah. a really solid opinion that is an assertion uh that has come up um but it, and it came up relatively late in the hoopla um and so it's a it's an understandable move um but it's written in a way that's so vague and also draconian uh, uh, wizards has an exclusive ability to determine what is objectionable and there's no recourse there's no there's no appeal process there's no okay there's no chance to say no wait a minute it's not actually offensive um and so uh in in the in the twitter verse uh the response to this is um yeah if you're on the left you do think nazis are objectionable but if you're mm-hmm. on the left and all of a sudden, somebody comes along and says, "You know, gay people are objectionable." Um, there's no, you know, there's no clarity in the license that says Hasbro ah, okay. uh, says Wizards or Hasbro what is objectionable. And also, that clause, as it was written in the early draft that I saw, talked about um, creators' uh, behavior, like not just the thing that you make with the license, but as a licensee, if you okay. are objectionable. Zach you Sabbath. Can find it the license. Yes. That's the name I'm thinking about now. Zach right. Sabbath is one of these dudes, Edward uh, creators. Um, so I think are they trying to kind of is that one of the people that they're trying to kind of kind of kind of box out? I guess. Well, hold on, hold on. Uh, first, he while he is kind of an edge lord guy. That's not why he's infamous. He was yeah. infamous for being accused of sexual assault of or domestic violence, something right. like that. And that's why he I mean, ended up getting quote unquote. That's the behavior canceled. that Adam was was I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was just I was just saying uh that was why he got quote unquote cancelled. So Okay. But I mean that's sort of that sort of speaks to the behavior that Shannon was talking about. True. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people just got offended by um, what was it? Uh, a couple. Remember they, a couple of kind of major or big indie companies or whatever, started doing like uh, printing something about consent or something in their books, and that just set people off for whatever reasons. And uh, yeah, and it, it, it kind of grew from there. With this, now correct me if I'm wrong. Man, I'll put that on a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> uh, didn't didn't uh, aren't they also like rattling sabers to get rid of? They want to uh, get rid of uh, virtual tabletops and just push um, what is it one D and D Beyond something like that? Correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the OGL is a document from what two thousand. 2004 the the play world is different and um, even if the OGL is is largely fantastic for um, making supplements and putting them on PDFs and selling them on drive through uh, it's not fantastic for a lot of the other things that people have been 
using it to do. And these are these are new technologies that were basically unheard of at the time the OGL mm -hmm. was uh, initially released. And so it's understandable that they would want to uh, split out certain uses and, and as Adam indicates, uh, virtual tabletops are a place where Hasbro sees dollars and they spent a ton of money buying D&D Beyond not that long ago. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that's a thing. And, and that's a thing that's been baked into the DNA of Dungeons and Dragons since the TSR days. They, they were notorious for going after uh, you know, people writing Dungeons and Dragons character generators um, in basic and selling them on tape. Huh. So. <laughs> I wonder how much they um, sold back for. in the days when people did programs in basic and saved them on cassette tapes. Um, so. Yeah. TRS-80. So, yeah, the, the owner of Dungeons & Dragons is always looking for ways to expand the ways they can get money out of it because on the surface, there's not a lot of money in Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, you buy three $50 books each, and you're good. Yep. You're done. You don't yeah. need to buy anything else ever again uh, from those people. Uh, you're going to turn around and spend thousands of dollars on dice. Mm -hmm. But as far as CSR is concerned, or Wizards of the Coast, or Hasbro, um, you know, the only way that you continue to make money is either by finding newer and newer players all the time and selling them on $50 worth of books, uh, or you, it's 2023, you sell them a subscription. Yeah. Uh, now, I was also going to say it's rumored that they're talking about, again, with D&D Beyond, microtransactions. You know, Roy, you definitely want to customize your character, right? Don't you want to have, you know, a certain color cloak, certain oh, type I of pants? Oh, I need that cool skin. Yep. Yeah. So, they, they say, like, um, microtransaction hell is coming, so... I mean, yeah. I, I imagine it'd be like stuff like uh, dynamic lighting, uh, things like that. Any anything that you can get for free on like roll twenty or whatever, they they don't want it. So. Right, uh, and and their target markets target Dungeons and Masters for some of those microtransactions and ordinary PC players for others. And I can see I can see um, surge pricing for table time. Oh, you're in the Eastern Time Zone, and you want uh, to set up your table for 7 p.m. Huh? All right, that's that's their charge. No, Shannon, oh. don't, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby? No. <laughs> oh God. So it could go bad. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. All right. I, one thing I I've never really understood is like this behavior from uh, Wizards of the Coast, which is owned by Hasbro. Sure, surely. D and D is not that big of a money maker for Hasbro. I mean, I'm sure it is, but they've got other shit. They've got like Transformers and GI Joe and My Little Pony and you know all the stuff. Surely they're making like money hand over fist with that stuff. Why would you try to do something to piss I'm, off your audience? Well, and, for pennies. I've heard assertions to the contrary. The, yeah. the Wizards of the Coast, and especially things like Magic, is kind of the very quite a bulk of Hasbro's income. Hmm. Okay. I, yeah. Which I mean, I could believe uh, Magic strictly because uh, I imagine producing those little card packs costs next to nothing, and they make a ton of money on mm -hmm. each one. I mean, it's it is the yeah. biggest money maker. Uh, which I mean, I never thought. I would see it like keep a store open as big as like my local one. This magic's just a massive money maker for them, and it, you know it's people come in and they're like, "Well, I'm here to game. I might as well pick up my comics." You know, why I'm here, or you know, hey, that's a cool you know statue, and yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, it's it's just a big giant juggernaut of stuff. So that being said, where where are we going? What is yeah. where where would this OGL thing shake out? When will we know? Uh, well, it's we don't know when we'll know. Um, 
after after a couple of weeks of silence, uh, Wizards uh, first threw uh, D&D Beyond and, and eventually through its own face came out and said, well, you know, we kind of we kinda made a little mistake there. So we're, so we're going to release uh, a draft and we're going to do this similar to the, the way that they do their Unearth Arcana Chamber, uh, where they release some test rules and some surveys and get feedback from the uh, consumer base and then you know, revise the rules so that they work the way that the players are actually going to use them and then they release those official rules that way and and they're saying oh we're going to do the same thing with the OGL and then they released an actual OGL which was somewhat different than what was being floated around uh, in the early reporting and it's still not good um, but I think I think the surveys close on Friday the 27th of January and then they'll do their, their thing internally and then is there another round of that or are they going to say, oh, well, thank you so much for your input. Here's what the license is going to be. We don't know yet. Um, yeah. Uh, who even knows? Um, you know, I, again, it, do, it doesn't affect me. And um, right. I mean, honestly, I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. I don't, I don't know. I'd love to know. I don't know how much those like fifth edition third party things were selling you know and now if nobody makes them well they're just going to turn around and make start making them for pathfinder or you know uh osr or whatever you know so they're going to kind of enrich your competitors and it's just going to be you so yeah that just seems dumb um it's 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 it struck me as weird early on and then I got sort of sucked into various details and sort of popped out of being lost in those weeds when I realized actually we don't know what they're proposing because they haven't said anything. Um, and then, then I started sort of taking a, a bird's eye view of this and thought, well, what's, what's the absolute worst that they could do? But I remain puzzled about the fact that they actually did decide to go after the OGL itself it seemed like it seems to me like they could um sever the next edition of the game from the ogl 1.0 a that everybody's been using for 20 years uh, release an ogl 2.0 and say this applies to versions of the game that come out after or on or after a certain strike date and release a separate srd for that game uh, call them both Dungeons and Dragons, but recognize the pub dates as the distinguishing factor between which license and which SRD people get to use, and then just walk away, just not even bother with the OGL 1.0 stuff because that market's there, it's mature, it exists, it's full of people like you and me. And my feeling is that what Hasbro's really doing, and I want to distinguish here between Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast. But what I think Hasbro is really doing is looking at all the people who use G.I. Joe and My Little Pony because they are in second and third and fourth grades and the sixth through twelfth grade people who are using Transformers and thinking these are our Dungeons and Dragons people in about three years and these are digital native people and just do their digital native thing and get those people who are going to be used to microtransactions and just leave the segment of the tabletop role-playing game industry hobbyists who like the DIY stuff, who like the games that they've already got, who are willing to go to third parties and buy adventures and tools and everything. And well, just let that market I do want to jump in here and wither. And and point out that GI Joe and My Little Pony and Transformers are all uh, games that are released by Renegade Game Studios. They've licensed those properties for their own rule sets. Yeah, that is interesting. Nobody knows quite oh. what to make of that. <laughs> I think. Right. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, I'm I, sure the Hasbro people know exactly what to make of that. But people in the tabletop hobby industry uh, like to point that out and be puzzled by that fact. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, man, I never even thought about that. But yeah, why isn't that's there? Especially, a... That's especially weird because there are third-party people who license the D20 stuff from Dungeons & Dragons and make 5e versions of their own games. Um, so there's just, just this kind of weird, muddy thing. Weird, but hey, it, that does remind me of something. Um, a couple of gaming sessions ago, my friend bought the Transformer RPG. I'd never seen it in mm-hmm. person, and I, I didn't care much about it until he goes, Hey, you you actually design your own Transformer in here. And I have just been completely obsessed with like making a shitty Transformer. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, whatever his name is, like he's a Betamax machine, you know, or like some crappy car, you know. Uh, nothing cool either. Something. I, I am grinding the garbage disposal transformer. Yeah, yeah, you know something <laughs> like that. Uh, or, or the gay dating app transformer. It yes, it would be fantastic. Oh, I'm um the machine that gives you your parking ticket. You know when you park at the airport. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just just that, and I would want I'd want to like make one. And then legitimately try my damnedest to role play my ass off in playing it. It would just be funny, I think. Just, oh, to, yeah. just to be like, oh yeah, parking ticket. What do we do? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And so, oh yeah, and then and then it has an advertisement in the back for um, the My Little Pony one is coming, which we've covered uh, Pony Finder and stuff, but. Uh, it's coming. He's mm-hmm. like, he's like, oh yeah. Now we have to, we have to do it, and um, ha- do like a grim dark My Little Pony campaign. And and, <laughs> and every time I'm like, I'm like, you guys fucking suck for not wanting to do a let at least let me record this to do a actual play. You know, I don't know. It's I think it's the funniest thing ever, but and have a, such a good time with it. But I get where maybe most people wouldn't agree. I don't know though. But see, you won't know till you try. Yeah, exactly. I think I think you're right. But yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess that's about the end of our show. It's like I said, you know, we're trying to trim down focus or whatever. And I do plan on every time we talk about something like we talked about with Liminal. Uh, putting it, cutting it out. It'll be here on the main episode, but just it alone will be. I'll uh, I'll put over on anchor. So I'm just curious to see how if numbers change or whatever. And I just really like the um, uh, anchor interface. I like it a lot. I like how you could be listening to it right now, and you just hit the button on your um your iphone and you can immediately respond to me and it shoots me out a voice message that i can even play on the show so i think that's really cool so anyway all right well guys it's actually a little cold down here it's like 40 degrees so i'm gonna go um get by by the fire and and pray for um the 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 sun yeah the sun to come up Well, the sun will come up tomorrow, they say. I've got a good bet for that. I'd even put my... Your bottom dollar? <laughs> buck on it. Uh-huh. All right. Well, good night, everyone. Good night. Yep. Good night. <laughs>